The idea is that we're plugged in. There's an automatic network there because all our members are all retailers, whether it's senior retailers, founders of the DTCs. So, so we've got some very interesting, some very interesting, we're plugged in. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Eva serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon sellers and also e-commerce sellers more broadly. Now, we are talking to today's guest, Paul Brooks of Retail Outside In, about the fact that e-commerce is a subset of retail newsflash, which is kind of something we intellectually know, but it's becoming a very real thing. So today, Paul, you're going to talk about how to sell to existing brick-and-mortar retailers if you've been developing a brand. So welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So we talked about the fact that bricks and mortar does have a future. And and so just to kind of quickly reiterate with the, the old traditional thing or the, the, the big screaming headlines in the papers, if anyone's still reading papers or, you know, online news sites is physical retail is dead. So just knock that on the head for us for a second. And then let's talk about how we're going to get a part of it. Okay. It's not. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> not dead. It's definitely not dead, but it's shedding its skin. It's, it's a retail renaissance out there. There is absolutely no doubt that the old model, the call it the industrial model, is dead. And unfortunately, the, the numbers speak for themselves. And I, I don't underestimate the pain of a lot of people who are losing jobs. But just because the just because you know we a lot of the larger high pro, profile retailers have left a lot of empty spaces. What that doesn't mean is us as customers don't need physical retail. Part of the new digital revolution, which of course I agree with you, e-commerce has has been such a part of, it provides a platform as well where you can use technology and physical retail in conjunction together. And we also get to we also get to go shopping as well. So the opportunity is there. Excellent. Sounds great. So I guess we sort of bashfully broke that with a head with that message last time. But I just want to quickly say, if you didn't hear the previous episode, you should go listen because I think there's some very interesting thoughts that Paul's opened up for us. But let's let's home in a bit in this episode on the basic idea. So I've got. Let me give you a concrete example. I've got one of my uh, mastermind members who's uh, very good at product development. He and his partner sort of worked within a um, a business. I don't know who they sold to exactly, but they were more within the product development side than selling. And they've developed really, really high-end products. And he's starting to see as an expansion of Amazon, everyone naturally tends to think, oh, I must run my own direct-to-consumer site, often often Shopify, WooCommerce, whatever. I'm not going to get into debating the merits of those. That's, That's too small to think that way. But a lot of people assume you have to sell directly to consumers yourself as an expansion of Amazon or other marketplaces, eBay, Walmart, et cetera, Etsy maybe. But what he's starting to have success with in quite a striking way with some of his brands and some more than others is selling directly to relatively modest size retailers. And that just reopens the whole question of, oh, but there's still a opportunity if you've developed a product, even if you initially sold it online, 
that one of your expansion possibilities for the business is to sell directly to to people with physical retail outlets and to your point in that that's going to be undergoing some kind of renaissance that could be a really burgeoning opportunity i suspect right now at this sort of cycle of things at the end of 2021 and start 2022 so how do we start to go about that then so let's say i've got this product i've sold it on amazon it's sold really well the feedback's great the reviews are good uh, we've got the manufacturing set up and i want to sell direct to some retailer what do i do next and what do you do next well i think that you know you've got to you've got to start with the customer and work backwards or start with the sale and work backwards the point is that what people are looking for i well i think what will underpin the renaissance as we're talking about are a, are a, are the almost the mirror image of what's happening now so if you think that people are you know that brands on instagram and tiktok are moving forward you know they they're the they're having the success at the moment so I think that you've got to just take that and bring that into the physical market space because you're still dealing with a with a human being. So I think independent people independent things that are made locally, things that are made you, you know ethically, things that are made, I think all those things you've got to think about from the customer's point of view that's what you've got to supply. So there's got to be a large degree of flexibility there's got to be a large degree of being able to you know people aren't buying the product they're buying the story behind it so i think you have to have your story absolutely straight because a lot of the stuff that happens online yes you do the research you compare it etc whereas when someone's in a store someone else is selling that item so it's a human experience it's a sensory five sensory experience so you've got to you've you've got to be working on that um that's develop your story develop your flexibility make sure that you're thinking about who you're selling it to you know if you're you think, I, i i always think about myself or if it's my i might think about if they're going to if they're going to sell it to my son or my daughter i'll i'll understand what it what is it that they're looking for and right. where what ha- the way you shop in a physical space is different to how you shop online because when you shop online as i'm going going back on myself a little bit it's comparative and it's price driven and it's research driven whereas when you're you're there on site and someone's selling it to you it, it it's got to have a very strong story behind it it's got it's all the five senses as opposed to you know three senses two senses okay so that that makes a lot of sense in terms of the retail experience now if we're going to open up a pop up shop somewhere and have i don't know like some i'm just trying to think to- totally off the top of my head say so you got sort of 1970s kind of swizzles you know i don't cheese and pineapple on yeah. a stick i don't even remember that and you have some yeah. 70s you know funk playing and some guy in an afro and those ridiculous flares serving you you know the latest kind of 70s retro style t-shirt that i understand that that would be an immersive experience that's very different now what's interesting here though is we're talking about what i get to control as the product maker is who do i sell to what product is it the price point and the packaging i guess right so i have more limited control in that scenario right so if it's me for example if i want to sell stuff i was going to say not tot shop doesn't exist anymore but if i wanted to sell to some chain of you know smallest chain of shops that sell um 
I know, name a product, can't think of anything off the top of my head, you know, dolls, clothes is, is a bit too specific, but whatever it is, some kind of specialist thing, like specialist cooking thing, right? Yeah. And there's a chain of 10 shops in London or 50 shops in Birmingham, Alabama, or wherever you happen to be based. Now, that would be too many in one place like that, but you know what I mean. How do I create something that is attractive to them? Because they've got to sell it to the end customer, but they're my immediate customer. How, how do I deal with that situation? Well, I've got to go back to the story again. People are selling... You know, there. You, you've just you've just explained. I know it's the. I know you're talking about what you surround it about. But people are selling when when it's a physical store, they're selling an experience. So your the your your product is part of that experience. So you have to have a very very clear story about that product because someone is telling that that retailer. You know, let, let's put it this way. I don't know. Look, Here's a water bottle, yeah? Michael, you, you probably can't see it, but here's a water bottle. Now, one of the reasons why I bought that water bottle, because it was on uh, it was on a TV show. Yeah, you may know the TV show of, of a load of people in in a mar in a trapped in a in a Marbayan house for for six weeks. What well, well, I can't remember what it's called, but that that has a story behind it. That's why I bought that water bottle. Now there's a thousand. 1,500, 10,000 different water bottles I could have bought. But again, you know, I'm affected by what I see my, I'm a normal human being, you know, I, I, what I see my kids, what I see my friends, what I see, you know, it, I'm, I'm still affected by the brand. So the story of buying that water bottle was very strong for me. So that's why I bought it. So, so you, for example, a physical retailer, if you've got a really strong YouTube channel with a strong story around some physical products and, and Instagram presence and an email list of 5,000 people that love your story, I guess it, that would be selling a story for me. Is that, is that the sort of thing yeah. you have in mind? Yeah, it's, all, it, 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 it's, it's a lot like we discussed in our last episode that you've got to think about physical retails, just another platform on or off in the customer journey. So it's actually the same. So social media is going to, or whatever media is involved in it, social media is going to drive people to to wherever they are in that customer journey. So yes, I agree. Most of us like to go, we'll, we'll probably go online first, but you know, who knows? You you might be on the tube and you might see a, a QR code. You know, you might be on YouTube and you might see it there. So so you've got to treat it in the one hand. You, you, you've got to treat it as the same as you'll treat it online, offline. However, the stronger, the, because on offline is more about the, the experience and the physical experience, the story has to be stronger. You know, so your packaging your your flexibility your yeah it, it it's it's just got to be that little bit stronger for yeah. physical retail that kind of makes sense yeah so i guess as you say that the way people shop online tends to be a bit more analytical it's kind of comparison shopping or amazon is kind of one big comparison site and people try and kid themselves when they first launch with a quotes brand i.e a logo they came up with after two glasses of wine and you know that the truth is that you're going to sell for about a dollar more or less or a pound more or less than the competitors unless there's a strong brand right something else michael that, that's mm. very important that i'm going to just i'm going to throw in there and it's one it, it's a lovely word serendipity okay now something that a lot of people actually i know i know a, a lady that, that, that i know a company that does it very well but the the difference between online and offline with offline, you have discovery-based shopping. It's difficult to be, you, you just reminded me, because 
you're you're absolutely right. Online, it's a lot of analytical, it's a lot of comparison data, etc. Whereas offline, of course, you know, you go in, you're you're you've probably done a fair bit of research. You might be out on a Saturday afternoon, but you do have serendipity, you do have discovery-based shopping. Now, again, what when we go back to thinking your question about thinking about what does that product have to do to do? Well, again, the brand's got to be and the story's got to be strong. So it's got to be strong on the packaging, it's got to be strong on the sell to the retailer. Because if you are in yeah, a store and your product is there and the client, the customer isn't necessarily looking at the product at that moment, what's going to drive the person to discover that product? Who knows? You know, and that's where you that's one of those things you don't have with online shopping. You don't have discovery base. Although I do know a lady called uh, Nia Singh who's got a business that is producing virtual stores with discovery-based shopping. She's trying to, and she's she's doing quite well. Yeah, it's interesting how a lot of people have worked very, very hard to try to recreate functions offline. It's the same with Zoom versus an in-person meeting, right? That kind of serendipity, the casual conversations you have with somebody in the Zoom context or the casual browsing that you can do in person. It's just incredibly hard to recreate digitally, right? I mean, I think Amazon does a very good job, and which we, we as as the sellers, always hate, right? You know, the fifty million opportunities to buy everybody else's products based on buying behavior, but it's not really serendipity; it's very data driven. So, as you say, that that's quite different. And I guess there are certain products that strike me as actually working only in that kind of context because if it is not keyword driven then it's going to be hard to make it work on amazon or for that matter google and then shopify or anything else right so there's certain products uh, that don't lend themselves to online at all which for somebody who's very e-commerce focused is a bit of a shock but i've got i've had a couple of clients with some things i thought you know what this is an interesting product this is a thing that you should stumble across in a shop of this kind because you ain't going to sell it on keywords and the reason why is because for keyword a it's overpriced and for keyword b it's overpriced because it combines two different things so that's that there's quite a few things out there i think so now one of the that reminds me just of of, you're the specialist in this you probably be able to give me the answer but or or you'll understand it better than i will but I, I'm at the moment actually. I'm helping a company launch a beauty product, and, and we're putting it on. We're putting it on Amazon, and you know, it's very you know to establish that initially. And I'm sure you can you can help me with that. But it's establish that initially because of the algorithm, it's very difficult to start off with. Whereby, alternatively, you've got a chance of, as you say, stumbling upon it in a physical store. So that is a slight advantage. But how do you make that advantage work for you? Again, you know, we've been through that, but it's it's interesting because there's, you know, there's barriers to entry for, you know, Amazon as well. You know, it's very true. So yeah. You're right. And actually, I think because it gets very familiar, but probably for most of the audience listening will be familiar with Amazon launching. And actually, just because we do it a lot doesn't mean it isn't really hard. And you're right, there is that barrier to entry. And that's called the cold start problem, I suppose, classically, which means that nobody knows you exist. And until you make sales, nobody will know you exist. either. So it's a self, it's what's the word, it's a positive feedback loop in the positive in the sense of engineering strict sense so in other words you make sales you get ranking you get ranking you get clicks you get clicks you get sales and thus it dries up but to start with to be quite honest uh, what a lot of people do is either manipulate the heck out of the algorithm which is against terms of service and risky but frankly a lot of people do it and or you lower your price and spend a lot of money on ad spend which i guess is not that different to launching a new physical store you've got to get the footfall there and 
you know, you spend a lot of money doing that. And then in order to get people to buy, to convert the shoppers to buyers, yeah. you have to offer them a great bargain. So I, I guess in essence, it's it's not that different. There are some obviously practical things you can do on Amazon, which you wouldn't do in a physical store. I guess one final question I've got, this is, we haven't left very long for such a big question, but I still have got to ask it. Coming to the point I was giving the example of, of a client, it was very real because he's got so much time and money to invest. And I was saying to this particular client, not that I would say this to most people, with this particular product, what I'm seeing is the Amazon sales are steady and, and working well. Um, your direct-to-consumer looks beautiful, but it doesn't seem to be driving that many sales. Your your business-to-business, in other words, selling to other retailers physical with physical locations seems to be going very, very well. So if somebody is at a, a bit of an inflection point in their business in terms of adding another sales channel, what would you say is what drives the decision to, to sell to business-to-business to physical bricks-and-mortar retailers as opposed to going to your own direct-to-consumer site? What do you think is the logic in that sort of thinking there? Well, one of the, one of the, the logic behind it actually is um, something that's happened because whereas the retailer used to have the – the physical retailer used to have the power because they had all the stores, you know, everyone came to them. But that obviously – doesn't exist anymore because you know the times have changed. So actually, I think it's a it's an interesting logic where you as a as, as long as your product has that strong story and you know and a strong brand and a and a, and a you know and it's good and it works and it has a unique proposition, a strong proposition. As long as it has that, actually, I think the power's back in your hands. Interestingly enough, and I think it's uh, going for well. That they don't have the power anymore. So, actually, you've got a good. The, the logic behind it is is that is think about it because the physical retailers are they. I mean, I'm in contact with with a lot of them in the world that I'm in. They're all struggling in terms of they're looking for new ideas. They're looking for unique products. They're looking for products that are going to satisfy you know their new millennial customers and their new Gen Z aspirational client uh, customers so actually i would say don't write it off the logic behind it is if you want me to put a name on it is the 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 retailers medium large actually don't have the power anymore looking to increase your online sales join ecom events at one of their four events throughout the usa miami in january san diego in march minneapolis in july and new york city in october the conference offers learning tips and tools needed to increase your sales networking food and refreshments prize drawing and lots of fun for all seller levels head on over to www.e-comevents.com and register today with promo code amazing to save $50 off your ticket cost. That's the logic behind it. So actually, the power is in your hands. And in, it, I, I read an interesting thing that the seasonal, you know, the, if, you, if you've been in buying and if you've been in retail, you'll know that obviously it's very seasonal. But actually, that's because the retailer has controlled that. Yeah. And of course, you know, the weather dictates in some countries, but actually in some countries it doesn't. So actually the relationship between someone who is selling and buying, even to the fact of, you know, we're only buying a season forward or two seasons forward, actually that doesn't exist anymore. That doesn't exist anymore. So you've you've, you've actually got probably a better chance than you 
may have previously thought, something to, to think about. That's a very good point, because I guess the traditional view of, of mighty things like Walmart, assuming that you view it as a physical retail store, which it primarily is, I guess walmart.com is like a tenth the size of amazon.com, which is big relative to most things, but not relative to Walmart's mighty retail you know, revenue. But especially in the UK, it strikes me actually that not only um, is a big percentage of, of retail now online, and I don't know how that stacks up compared to the rest of the world, but I do know it's a bigger percentage than than the U, than US. Maybe it's similar in China, and it's very, very digitally integrated society, if you like. But yeah. yeah, again, because the boots now move to the other foot, that's a very good point that I hadn't thought of. As soon as you said that, I'm like, yeah, actually, when retailers are struggling, they're more likely to strike a deal with you to take a risk yeah. to accept smaller unit unit orders rather than saying our minimum order is $100,000 and we want 90-day terms. And then suddenly, you know, there, there's a whole um, episode to be done on negotiating with that. We have talked about that before, but I think that's a very good point that actually we could be much stronger placed than we think, particularly, I suspect, in the UK, which is very interesting for the UK listeners. Listen, there's, there's tons we could talk about here. Before we get into what you offer, we'd love to hear how, how you help people. What things should I have asked you about that I haven't already asked you in this area? Um, well, I guess I guess that anything, I think retail, we're just, re- retail outside in is, is always connected into what's going on, you know, what, what the retail revolution is bringing us. So for instance, masterclasses, we just trying to think of some, we have retail futurists on, we'll have, we've had someone in that built, that, that someone in there who's a specialist in China retail. So uh, a sort of makes some very, very interesting listening because as we've spoken about just briefly here, that China's five years, you know, China's five years ahead of the UK, ahead of the whole of Europe in terms of where digital retail is going. It's so interesting. We've had, you know, people who who we had someone an, an entrepreneur that that built Harry Potter stores. So, yeah, all of that I think for people going forward it is absolutely key. I mean that that fact about you know turning the the, the fact that the the retailers, the large retailers, are looking for new ideas came about from me listening to one of them. You know, interviewing one of the the guys um, from the master for the master classes. So. There's, it, it's fascinating. So we're always, the idea is that we're plugged in. There's an automatic network there because all our members are all retailers, whether it's senior retailers, founders of the DTCs. So so we've got some very interesting, some very interesting, we're plugged in. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. And so just to be clear, so you offer events, there's a WhatsApp community, I think. Weekly Q and A. You have you mentioned in the previous episode you have a specialist recruiter. What what does that mean? It means if you need to find somebody who can get your product retail ready, or, or what is it that you offer with a specialist recruiter specifically? Um, well, he he yeah yeah. V and C are are specialist retail recruiters. So although you know you can go to them directly without coming into into ROI, what they bring to ROI is a priority. So, you know, there's a lot going on in retail. People are losing their jobs. People are looking for new jobs. They're using their, they're actually, there's a lot of senior people in retail or middle, middle people, middle market sort of people from, from large corporate retailers who are actually using now, as we know, as a great opportunity to, to try something new in retail. And that's actually one of the things that we do. We we help people, whether it's get another job with, with the retailer or help them understand the opportunities that are out there for retail, because retail's not dead. 
Musical retail is not dead. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, look, this very, very interesting discussion, and I think it just remains for me to say um, that you know people should check out you know retail outside in. I've seen that the price points for what you're offering seem frankly very modest as well. So if you want to check it out, folks, amazingfba.com forward slash retail outside in. And I would just say to anyone who's very, very Amazon focused, yeah, the news flashes that you've got to get off Amazon. I think we all get that, and some people are busy building their direct to consumer sites. Some people are obsessing about Etsy. And that's all well and good. But if we miss the bigger picture, what we're going to be missing is the easier wins, I think, because sometimes when you're an earlier adopter, like the fact that the high street retailers have gone from really hard to please and asking for ridiculous terms to maybe desperate for the right product, by the way, just to underscore what you said, unique, fresh quality yeah. like if it's just some knockoff of something on china it's a disaster <laughs> but yeah so just just to underscore that i think that uh you know it's it for the right kind of product i, I think it's going to be great times to explore outside of the e-commerce bubble which is really important because most of us are stuck in it if you've been in it i certainly have them I and i don't have any physical retail experience and many people are the same so really important i think to balance that out and Sounds like you're the man to do it. So, Paul, thank you so much for coming to talk about this very interesting topic, very kind of forward-looking, but also I think kind of now, isn't it? They, the future is now with some tagline that somebody had for some product, very good product tagline. It feels like for physical uh, retail in the UK specifically, which I guess I have a better sense for than other pro- countries, but not only, that sort of uh, after Germany, they had this thing where, you know, 1945, where everything was flattened called Stunde Null, like was zero hour. And it, everything was literally flat. So we, along with the Marshall Plan, it gave them opportunity to rebuild from scratch. And I think the coincidence, they have the most modern, great productive factories in the world. And it kind of feels like there's a little bit of that in the high street, right? There's, there's been a lot of wiping out of big names and a lot of opportunity that comes from the rebuild. So uh, exciting yeah, times. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a generation of, of, pe- of, of people, like you say, who, who have been so creative online, on Instagram, you know, on social media. And they're just, you know, it's bubbling under. They are going to, they're going to come into physical retail. You know, they, they, they'll, there'll be a, a shared model between physical and, and, and online. Well, there actually will be no distinction between channels. It will just be another channel. But they'll they'll come in and, and there's going to be some amazing innovation. There's going to, you know, there's going to be, there's still going to be some bad retailers out there, but there's yeah. going to be some really good creative ideas. And I think we're going to see that again because that industrial model was was kind of ruled by, you know, unfortunately it was ruled by the top shops and the Debenhams and it was boring and it was, it was, it was past and it was finished. So actually there's what, what will, you know, if I go back to my analogy of the forest fire, the shoots and, and what will grow will be fast and it, and, and it will be, you know, the momentum will be ever gaining faster. So it's going to be some very, very interesting times. Yeah, excellent. Well, that, thank you for bringing that to our attention. This has been very, very thought-provoking and uh, hopefully everyone can take something fresh from this and sort of challenge your thinking a bit. So, Paul, just remains, uh, uh, remains for me to say, uh, Paul Brooks from Retail Outside In, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven-figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. 
I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.